This is my friend Kevin Visser. Um, there you go. We've been part of the same church uh, family community before this one for over seven years. And um, Kevin is, you're afraid of what I'm going to say, he's the ultimate organizer. He actually, uh, he and I have arranged many church gatherings uh, in the time we were together at the church, and uh, he's someone I could always count on and do activities together, and he's amazing, amazing at it. He's also my travel agent, but that's a whole other story. Um, yeah, used to be. But, um, but more than that, Kevin is our friend. So invited Kevin to share a bit of his story, and then I'm going to ask you a few questions, and then we'll let you get away. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, there we go. So, Kev, tell us a little bit about your story over the past two years, because a bunch of these people wouldn't know you at all. Good morning, everybody. Um, First of all, it's a real honor to be here. Uh, So thanks for the invitation, and thanks for uh, being here this morning with us. There's a lot more people here than when I first sat down, so that's great. Um, And there's people online watching, too. Yeah, yeah, well, hello hello online (laughs) as well. yeah, the last two years have been a bit of a crazy couple years for, for myself and my family. It was June 2020 that I was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. <clears throat> and then a few days later, I found out that um, it was metastatic. It had spread to my lungs, brain, liver, lymph nodes, adrenal glands, and other areas. Um, and I was given an expected lifespan of approximately 9 to 12 months. <clears throat> So, uh, so that was over two years ago, so thank God, thank God for that. Um, at the time, uh, my wife, uh, Lisa, set up a Facebook page called We Love Kevin, and just as a way to help kind of share updates in an efficient way, and um, what also ended up happening was just the love and support and encouragement that came through that page has just, just been unbelievable. Through that page, through our church, through our community, through other friends and family, just the love that you know we felt through those early days, but really all the way through, it's just been totally unexpected and, and unbelievable. And what happened my faith in those early days? I mean, I grew up Christian. I was, uh, um, you know, brought up in a loving Christian home, 50 years, um, but with ups and downs, but I wouldn't say any like major aha moment or major kind of uh, moment where I really thought about sharing my faith or I didn't really talk about it that much. But one of the first things I wanted to do when I was diagnosed was uh, um, explore my faith. So I asked John, you know, I had some good conversations with John just about my faith. Am I worthy? Am I, is my faith strong enough? Um, I started asking everybody about heaven, um, including Gord and Scott, who are here. You guys are two of the first that I remember having this, having conversations with, and it was just so uplifting talking to people about heaven. And I became pretty much obsessed with heaven. I started reading all kinds of books, and I thought, well, if I'm not going to be here as long as I hope, then at least I have heaven to look forward to, and I don't have to be afraid of death. So I just I read I read a book called Imagine Heaven, which really changed everything for me. It's a compilation of um, near-death experiences, basically, hundreds of them in there, and it's so well-written, so well-done, and I've given it out to, I don't know, many, many people I've bought extra copies for and given it out, and since then, I've just read so much more about my faith, about my heaven in particular, 
and just had so many great conversations. Um, and that first, uh, first while with all the love, the strengthening of faith, I also had a strengthening of hope. Mm. You know, we had um, hope for the future on earth, hope for the future in eternity. And 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, just really resonated with me at that time. And in the end, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And I just felt and lived that every day. And then, <clears throat> almost a year into my diagnosis, it was John that actually first got, asked me to speak. And at the time, it was, um, so it was Good Friday last year, April. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was more uh, do a recording than, uh, than speak in church. Um, and I wasn't sure. I thought, why would anybody want to hear from me? Why would anybody want to hear my story? What story do I even have to tell? But as I worked through it and as I wrote it down and as I prayed about it, I realized, okay, maybe I do have something to share. And John really encouraged me there as well. And I ended up sharing that Good Friday. And that was kind of the launch of my uh, post-diagnosis uh, uh, speaking career. <laughs> and it also made me realize that I did have something to share because of the, the um, encouragement that I received and the people that were telling me that they were uplifted and moved in various ways. So it really encouraged me to talk about my faith even more and more. So I would say, you know, really from the beginning, but especially from then on, I was really having great conversations with people about my faith, something that I'd never done before in my, in my entire life. And um, that first treatment did work pretty well. It lasted a year, and that was supposed to be the whole scope of my treatment. So that was amazing. After a year, I was further ahead than when I started. Um, and then I went through a couple more chemo, a um, couple different types of chemo. I went through a clinical trial. So the next year was a bit rougher because things weren't working as well. Um, but through that, the spring, I had the opportunity to speak in church again. I had the opportunity to speak at a friend's party. Um, at a major uh, kind of corporate event, a national conference for the company that I spent the last 17 years with. And um, just through all the encouragement that I received through that, I realized that I was encouraging other people as well through my story. And just over the past few months in particular, I really realized that God's been using me through this, you know, for His, for his glory. And He's been the one that's been speaking through me. And people say, well, how do you live with cancer? And how do you live like this knowing that, uh, um, you know, that you probably, probably can't be cured unless it's a miracle? And I say, it's, oh, it's all God. It's because of my faith. It's because of God working through me. Mm -hmm. um, it's because of the love and the support in my life through God. And um, it's just completely transformed my life. So no matter, no matter what happens going forward, and, and we are done medical treatment now. We're kind of out of options. Uh, we stopped two months ago. And at the time, I was given uh, estimated three months, um, estimated lifespan. So that was pretty sobering. Um, it's been two now. I hope to make it quite a lot longer than, th than three. But um, we take it day by day. And... Um, spend time with friends, try to have good conversations, spend time with my family, and get lots of rest. Mm. Um, and I'm needing more and more rest. But through it all, I just know that God's been with me, and I've seen him through you and Christy, mm. through Scott and Heather and your family, through Gordon. 
Sandra and your family, through my family, through so many people um, that have just loved on us so much and have prayed, prayed with us, and have just made this what could have been probably the, and should have been probably the toughest two years of my life in many ways has been the best, best two years of my life. And I feel like God's, you know, been making the most of this time in my life and really using me. And I feel completely blessed by that. I guess I didn't need to interview you. Uh, Kevin's here because part of this uh, teaching today, I was going to use him as an illustration. And then I was texting you, and I'm like, why do I need to use an illustration? You know, Kev, do you want to show up? You're not going to drive that far down the road. So thank you for coming. And I know it's hard, but, uh, you know, this church family at Westside also is now going to support you in prayer. Right? Right? We're going to support this family as well in that as well. A couple questions, then I'm going to let you sit down so you don't run out of energy completely. And that would be, um, every time that I have seen you tell your story and have had an opportunity to witness it, some of, maybe we could even post it on some of the links. On, they're on YouTube now, right? Mm-hmm. I have seen you go from someone kind of timid to very confident. And it's been very natural to see that your, how articulate you've become with your faith story. Has that been surprising to you as far as just how you've now been able to share your story so, yeah, I think naturally? I would say definitely. I I never thought through my life that I would be, you know, the type of person I knew that that's what I should be doing is sharing my faith, but I never felt comfortable doing it before. And then through this illness, I just feel like it's almost all I can think of. And it's, yeah. it's almost like, if I'm not sharing my faith, what am I doing uh. with my time? And I feel like it's my purpose um, and that God's working through me in this. In, in this. And, and uh, it's, not, it's not me doing it by myself. It's God working with me. And um, I feel completely uh, you know, gr- grateful and blessed by that. And yes, it's become easier because the more you talk about something, the more mm-hmm. easier it gets. But um, even this time, like I hesitated, you know, I had to give give a couple days and, and get back to you. And part of the reason is because I'm not feeling as well and it's getting harder to get out. But um, deep down, I knew that, yes, if, if I have the opportunity to speak, I definitely want to do that because I, like I feel like that's God's purpose for me right now. So, you know, I'm blessed to be here and, and I'm blessed that you are willing to listen to me and, and, and host me here today. And, and to me, it's just another opportunity to just talk about, you know, God's love and, and um, what he's been doing in my life and my family's life. And, and, uh, and yeah, speaking about it, sharing about it, having great conversations, it's only strengthened my faith. And I hope it's helped, you know, with some other people as well, with giving them different ways of looking at things, spark something for them, and, and I feel like if it's only one person, then it's, it's kind of been worth it for the journey. My journey's been kind of worth it. Wow, amazing. Okay, I told you not to prepare, but I'd love you to say for a final word, what is some advice or encouragement that you could give to us as a church family, just from, the, from where you're, uh, just what you've gone through, what you're going through, and where you think your future is ahead? I mean... I think just the greatest lesson in life is is to love one another. I think that's God's message for us. Um, 
And I think that's the only thing that's transferable to heaven is the love that we share with each other here on earth and, um, and the love that we receive as well. Um, any earthly material gains that we, you know, or accomplishments throughout our life, they're, they're meaningless in the scope of eternity. The love that we give each other is everything. And that's what I try to teach my kids. That's what, you know, I try to tell people, like everything else really just, just falls away. That's really the most important thing. Um, and I think if we can all embrace that on an everyday basis, we'll just shine Jesus' love wherever we go. And we'll also just be more of a receptacle. We'll, we'll receive love a lot more easily as well. And that's the most important thing that we can do in our, in our, in our limited time here on earth. Everybody, can you thank Kevin with me on this? This is great to hear. Yeah, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for Kevin, Scott, Gord. Why don't you guys come up here? Sorry, you're going to see the people that uh, are really some of Kevin's best friends here. I'm going to pray for Kevin, but uh, this is Scott Benson and Gord Newfeld, And uh, this is a team. It's a team. Let's pray. Father, thank you for just being God and for loving each one of us more deeply than we can ever, ever imagine. And Father, I thank you for Kevin and just the amazing way that he uh, just shows your love to so many people by the words he says, by the life he leads, and just by even as he faces uh, this reality that is before him. Father, we pray that you will give Kevin a miracle. And Father, we do know you could heal, heal Kevin. And so Father, our very heart cry is that that happens. And Father, we know you love him more than us, so you know the future of each one of us, and we're okay with that as well. Father, I thank you that we can surround Kevin with love for guys like Scott and Gord, for Lisa, for the entire family and friends that are structures around them. And Father, we just pray that you will continue to give all of the support Kevin needs, the strength to do that in these, day for, in these days forward. But Father, we leave all of this in your hands. And again, we thank you for this love that surpasses all of our understanding because of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Thanks, Kev. Thank you. I almost feel like we could just say amen, go to communion, and go home. But uh, I'll give you hopefully a bit of a, a word of encouragement. And uh, just let me look at my time because I think I might need to change a few things here. Um, teaching today, uh, just in general, if you have been, or if you've been part of mm, watching the news, you've been part of sort of any church community over the last couple of years, uh, the church is having, I don't know, um, not so good moment, okay? And so the last month or so, I've been receiving a few phone calls just from friends, maybe some texts. And uh, maybe it goes back a few months more than that. But here's some things that have been said. Now that so many groups are doing church online, do we really need to attach ourselves to any one church? Um, what is the role of the church, and is it actually making a difference in this world? Has the church lost the impact that it once made on society? 
Can we really trust the church if it has leaders like the ones it has? Is the church too rigid and judgmental and has it become too conservative? Oh, is the church not rigid enough and has it become too liberal? Think we will try to do church without act- I think we're going to try to do church with actually without actually being part of any church community. Okay, let's be straight. It's pretty easy, right? These days to get discouraged about the church. But you know what? Personally, reflecting upon just some things that we've been part of at this church community, I've been pretty um, inspired. I'm pretty encouraged. The two, some, the two series, just if you're not aware, is that we actually had this uh, teaching series called West Side Stories. And that, were, that was people that are part of the West Side community sharing of their own voices from inside our church. And then we've also had in the summertime for the last few weeks another series called A City Connected. And it was pastors and ministry leaders from around Hamilton, and they were giving their perspective of some things that are outside of the walls of our church. And this has been, to me, like a massive encouragement. Um, Just getting different faith perspectives and different unique perspectives on faith and specifically different approaches to ministry. But here's the truth, is that God's answer to sin and pain and suffering in this world is Jesus. Jesus worked with and equipped his disciples to lead the church. And the church is God's plan and is God's plan to share his message with the world. We can't give up on the church. And I'm continuously reminded that healthy churches, healthy churches are unified by their their diversity and the strengths of individual members that have gifts to to use for God will bless the church and the community. So there's a little bit of a start to where I'd like to go, and I might have to fly through some things and leave some things out, so hopefully the Holy Spirit will tell me to do the right things. Let's go to Scripture. Uh, This is from Ephesians chapter 4, whether you have an app or your Bible, uh, um, it's that... We usually put it up on screen behind us, and that is this. Ephesians chapter 4, oh, there it is, 4, 11 to 15. Let's, let, uh, let me read this. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue, continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge that God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown, and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is the one who wrote this, and this is actually a letter to the church in a place called Ephesus. Here's the interesting thing. Paul was in jail when he wrote this. And Paul was likely thrown into jail because he was fairly public about his faith. 
Earlier, we, will, we, we, we would read, if we read earlier in chapter 4, that Paul actually shares a lot of words uh, about unity in verses 3 and 4. And he also shares more in verse 7 about this idea of gifts. And so what we're picking up here, and I'd like to reread uh, the, first, the first few verses, is we're re-read, I'd like to reread the Paul's emphasis that he's placing on these ideas of unity and the gifts. Here, let's, let me read it again. Zach, can you put that up on screen? Thanks. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. You seeing that? What did he do? He gave what? Gifts to the church. And here they are. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. These are the gifts that he gave to the church. Their responsibility is to do what? Equip God's people. So the gifts given to the church called apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, their job is to equip God's people. What's the responsibility of the members of the church? Is to what? Three words. Do his work. It's pretty easy if we really break it down why we, are, we go to church is to do his work, to get equipped to do his work. And what does that do? It builds up the church, the body of Christ. So specifically, we have gifted leaders. They're the gifted ones. And then we have other people. If they need to be equipped, what do we now know? They're not so gifted, right? Like, like, this isn't read there, but it's implicit that it's there. We have gifted and not so gifted. Gifted, train, the not so gifted. But guess what? All of our responsibility is to do the work. All our responsibility is to build up the church. Um, Paul, um, he illustrates unity by saying we need each other. None of us can do it alone. Not just the gifted ones. We all need to do it. A healthy church is a healthy team. It's a healthy team. I was going to use an illustration, and I wasn't sure what illustration to use about team. Because believe it or not, well, you don't know me that well. Well, my wife, after 33 years, can't, still can't believe it. I actually sung in a choir at one point in the, in the past. And so I was thinking, you know, one of the ways to illustrate team is through um, a band, because band members need each other. And then um, an orchestra, that's good music, and then a choir. I actually sung in a choir during college. It's a very small college. Somebody actually heard me singing and said, would you ever think about joining choir? And I went, no. Then they told me they traveled during classes, and I went, sure, I'll try out. I made it. Here's the interesting part. I was, um, I was in the second row of the choir, and if they put a guy right behind me that was just off note a little bit, I was off note as well, Right? So what they had to do was put the person who could sing the perfect note, the perfect pitch, the perfect whatever, and then somehow I followed him. So the gifted person was behind me, the not gifted was in front, but I actually hung in there and was able to do it. I think a better illustration, though, for most of us, because maybe you're not musical like me, is sports. Hockey, baseball, football, basketball, they're all team sports. Every sports team that we know wants the gifted athletes, 
You know the ones. We call them superstars or all-stars. Uh, I'm hearing a new uh, term called uh, generational talent, right? Uh, those are the naturally gifted athlete that is almost born for the purpose of like specifically doing whatever that sport is that they're doing. But teams also have, and in fact, the majority of teams have those people that aren't superstars. They're not so naturally gifted. In fact, they have achieved their success of being on any one of these sports teams by some really, really hard work and determination. They've learned their skills. Odds are they're pretty coachable. Some of the very best teams also have coaches and mentors. And they have the ones that have the ability to develop all of these other people. They train individuals, and they develop team unity and team cohesion. I don't know if you follow or not, but I don't know, Kevin, this one's for you, but the Raptors, they're, come on, we love the Raptors. Raptors in 2019 were our championship team. If you go back and listen or find out anything on the Raptors, uh, they're not normally the ones built out of superstars. They're the teams that are usually built out of those hard workers, but very coachable. We won the year we had the superstar. <laughs> That's Kawhi Leonard. And so there's something about that gritty, well-coached, hard-working emphasis that teams really cohese around. Now, I don't want to go back. I can't do them all. But when we take those areas that we've just talked about in this verse, what are they again? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. It's almost like, hey, here's the team that the church needs. The team needs to have all of these areas and positions that need to be played. Let's just take one today. Because, by the way, this could be a full series. Maybe Dave should do one. And this idea of um, how about we choose the evangelist. Are you an evangelist? Are you an evangelist? Um, evangelist typically is somebody that shares the good news of Jesus. That's the most plain way of saying that. Now, Yes, I've been to Bible college, and yes, I've been to seminary. But in Bible college, way, way, way back when I was there, I actually went to a Bible college in, in Chicago. And we have a course specifically on evangelism. So here we go to class one day, and the professor says, uh, everybody, going to let you go out for the entire class period. Here's your job. You have to go to the park across the street, and you have to share your faith with two people. Right? And then you have to tell, come back and tell us uh, how that goes. And the word was actually evangelize. It was brutal for me. It was super awkward. It was hard. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to kind of, how do you get involved in the conversation? It was weird. Here's the amazing part. There was another guy that was like talking to one person, two person, three people, four people. It was super easy for him. He loved it. Here's the best part. We get to class. We go back. And i got to be honest with our professor. I know he's going to do some feedback. And here, the amazing part about it is the majority of us in our class were super awkward, found it really, really, really hard. And the amazing thing he said, he said, absolutely, because you're not gifted. you got to work on it. Never, never forget that. Here's a few verses about evangelism, a couple of them. Here's Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. It says this. <clears throat> devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Oh, sorry, by the way, this is actually Paul again. He's in prison still. He's now uh, writing to the Colossians. Verse 3, 
Uh, And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And in 1 Peter 4, 3, it says this, 15 and 16, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Keep a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Uh, there's a little book that I, uh, that I grabbed, and I was just reading it just to get caught up a little bit on this. I remembered a chart, and the book is called Surprise the World by Michael Frost. And in this chart, um, I think the chart has a slide there, if you have it there, thank you. Um, it breaks down this verse into these categories, and I thought it would be kind of helpful for each one of us to know this, is that there's two types of ministers that we've kind of talked about. There's two types of ministries. Okay, in terms of evangelism, there's those people who are evangelists that are gifted evangelists. And then there's also evangelistic believers. And here's the deal. When it talks about evangelism in the church, the gifted ones, there's actually not as many. But there's lots of us that are the believers, the evangelistic believers. And here's the priorities from the verses that we just read in terms of a gifted evangelist. They need clarity in the gospel, and they are alert to opportunities to share about Jesus. But what does it say in Colossians? It says that us, the majority of us, we need to be in prayer. We need to be praying for those evangelists to have opportunities, but we just also need to be just in prayer for people so that their hearts will be open to those things and listening. We need to be watchful. And here's what I love here, is that it says we need to be wise in socializing. Have you ever thought about that? Wow. How can I be someone who actually wants to share about Jesus, but I don't feel gifted, but maybe I just need to be wise in who the people are around me so that when opportunities arise, I see that they are actually asking more about God and what, what do I, am I prepared to talk to them about Jesus at all? Types of ministry, spoken ministry, it says this, is that gifted evangelists tend to be very bold and they're proclamational. You know what? Um, I'll share it really fast. Our son-in-law, they planted a church. Uh, our daughter and son-in-law planted a church in Bimbrook. Now they also have a sister church now in Dundas. But our son-in-law, the day they got married, okay, This guy's a gifted evangelist. You put him in front of a microphone, you're going to know about Jesus. You're going to have an invitation to follow Jesus. And guess what? There could be an altar call happening. I mean, that is how gifted he is. He can't stop, right? If there's an opening. That's bold. That's proclamation. But you know what? The majority of us, we just need to be gracious around people, full of grace, and be willing to give answers. In a research uh, study from a group called Barna, Uh, They did something uh, in February 2019, and here's a couple of stats. Six out of ten non-Christians and lapsed Christians, that's 62% of the people, say they would be open to talking about faith matters with someone who listens without judgment. 
50% would be willing to talk to someone that doesn't force conclusions on them. 29% would be willing to talk to someone that's just interested in my story. And then 27% would like to, 27% would like to talk to someone that is good at actually asking questions. If you have spent any time in the area of evangelism, this is an area within the church that we're not strong in. And this is one that we probably need to be way better equipped in. In every area of church ministry, we need gifted leaders. But the majority of us aren't gifted. We need to learn and to develop. And so why am I sharing this with you today? Is because we, as Westside, moving forward, not to say that we haven't been, we just want to be a healthy church. And a healthy church means we're, we need to be doing equipping, but we also need to be, the majority of us, willing to be equipped, willing to learn, and willing to develop in whatever those skills are that we need to be developed. Our hope and prayer for Westside is that when, when Dave comes back and we enter the fall of 2022, that this will be as healthy a functioning church as possible. We're a team and we want to be a team that obeys and honors Jesus. Christy is going to come, my wife Christy, is going to come and lead in communion. And um, before, how about I pray, and then Christy, I'll hand it over to you. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that we've been able to hear the story of Kevin. Thank you for his life, for the way that uh, he has lived so faithfully for you. And so, Father, thank you that he was here today. And, Father, even for a chance to quickly share a little bit about what your word says about how we can be a healthier church community, Father, I pray that we really take seriously how we equip and how we learn to be developed so that we can be people that honor you with our entire lives. Lord, this idea of unity really means a team. And so we pray that Team Westside will be on side for you all, forever and ever. And Father, I pray that we will be people that honor you in an amazing way. And so as we celebrate the death and resurrection of your son Jesus now, I pray that all of us will have hearts that are open to the things that you have done. In your name we pray, amen.